Grab a Bible and turn it. Any Bible will do. They're around, so grab you one, and I'm going to preach from one, and it's going to work out. So Genesis chapter 24 is where I want you to find. And once you find Genesis 24, and then I want you to look down, and I want you to find uh, verse 58. Okay, so you're looking at Genesis. It's 24, and it's verse 58. And, uh, and Genesis 24 and 58, put your finger there, and then I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy. Now, for you who like to memorize scripture with me and you're working on doing that, just think all twos. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. So you look there with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I had this marked in my Bible so I wouldn't have to spend so much time turning. By the way, I always lost in Bible drills. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. And you hold 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 22 or excuse me, in verse 2, I said verse 22, but uh, verse 2 rather. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. You hold your place there for just a minute. So I was blessed when I, um, I was blessed when I was uh, a youth pastor. When I was, well, before I was a youth pastor, really. Um, my wife and I had been in church, and we kind of had a falling out with church. And, and uh, when I was 18, we got married when we were 18, and, and uh, we spent the first year of our marriage. We didn't go to church, and, and my parents invited us to their church. They said, come with us. It was LaGrange Heights Baptist Church. And uh, we got there. The pastor knew that Sarah and I had had some issues at, at the church we were from, and, and this pastor just sat down and took time with us and talked us through some of those things and, and worked with us about things that had happened and, and going forward in our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with each other. And then the pastor did something even more. Uh, thank you. I don't know if that's it. No, it's still not mine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, well, guys, it's all right. We got this. I'll use this pretty blue one. It's great. Uh, so uh, my pastor, he sits us down, and he would invite us over. For, for, he'd have us come over. He'd order hometown pizza, and he'd, and he'd give us hometown pizza in his house. And we'd sit, I remember one Saturday night, we sat in his house until 2 a.m., just chumming it up, eating hometown pizza. We got to church the next day. I felt awful. I saw a man look like he was going to die up on the stage. He had big circles under his eyes and uh, just wonderful man. And he, he's the one who convinced me to go to, to Bible college and then into seminary. And then even more than that, he used to invite me over to his house. And he had a drum set. And we would sit there and play drums back and forth in his house. Or he'd come over to my house and he'd play drums. Here I was, not even 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. And, and here's this guy sitting down. He's in his mid-30s. And he's playing drums with me. And, and uh, we're hanging out at his house and staying there all night. And, and then he starts inviting me over. And he starts teaching me how to teach. I, I was became the youth leader in that church, and he began to teach me how to lead a youth group, how to lead a Bible study, and how to lead a Sunday school. And then he gave me the opportunity to preach. He said, hey, you know, why don't you take the pulpit on a given Wednesday night or a Sunday night or even sometimes on Sunday mornings? And he would allow me to, uh, to get up and to preach for him. And he would invite me over to his house. And I remembered he told me, he said, you get you a yellow, he, he had a real country, he still does, he has a real country accent. And he says, you get you a, a yellow legal pad and you come on over to my house. And so I did, I got me a yellow legal pad I didn't know why it had to be yellow, but I got one out of obedience, and I went there, and he sat down and taught me how to study through the scriptures. And then this thing happened. Even more than that, another young couple came into the church. Their name was Nathan and Jenna. And Nathan and Jenna came in the church, and I would hear, because they're a little country, we don't, we're not trying to be as country as they are, so they all call him Brother Chris. If you're in a Baptist church, you've heard people call their pastor brother or something. He's Brother Chris to me. That's what I always know him as. And I noticed that Brother Chris, was he'd say in his sermons, he would say, well, we were talking with Nathan and Jenna the other day, and then he would tell a little sermon illustration about Nathan and Jenna. 
And then uh, he, would, he would keep doing that. Then there were, I went to a Sunday school class. There was this guy. He was an older guy. And he started saying in his Sunday school class, I'm paying attention as he would say, well, Brother Chris taught me that when we study the scriptures, we look at them like this, and then he'd open up a passage, and we would read through a passage of scripture together. And this guy would talk about how Brother Chris had sat down with him, and he had taught him. Fast forward a little bit. I, I moved on from being a youth pastor, and I, I, uh, with my wife and a few others, we planted Salt and Light Baptist Church, and, and I ended up going for my master's degree, and so I'm back in school, and I was in a discipleship class. And the first thing the professor said in the class He said, stop having classes on discipleship, which I thought was humorous (laughs) because we were in a class for discipleship. (laughs) And he said this. He said, discipleship happens in everyday life when you befriend somebody and you share with them your knowledge of Jesus. I had you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Read this with me. Check this out. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And he says, And these things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you get that? Paul said to Timothy, you take the things I committed to you and you commit them, you teach them to other people so that they can teach them. That's discipleship. We always go so far. We've had the sermon series, Today's the Last Day, and of all the things that we can't get right, it's, the, it's not the right name anyways. <laughs> we are just so off today. It's, it's funny to me. I don't know if y'all think it's funny as I do, but we want to talk about this last part of discipleship, which is this, or this last part of evangelism, which is discipleship. We always have these classes about evangelism, but we have to end evangelism. If we're going to tell somebody about Jesus, then we have to also teach them about Jesus. We can't just tell them and leave them. We have to take that relationship with Jesus further, and we have to be the ones to do that. I'm going to show you how. It's Genesis 24, and we finish up the 24th chapter starting in verse 58. Did I give you enough time to find it? All right, here we go. And I'm sure I got the right scripture at least. So, All right, verse 58. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. And so they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands. May your, de- may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man so the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Berla Haroi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to, uh, to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked up, and there the camels were coming. And then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camels, or from her camel, and for, they had said, uh, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all these things that he had done. And then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn to you. And Lord, I, I think if we can't, would you help us to just see the humor and missing all of our cues and, and not being able to get a screen up and down or 
Father, would you help us to see that none of what we're doing here has to do with perfection because we are so imperfect and we worship you who are perfect. Father, would you help us in this moment right now to be focused completely and totally on you? Would you turn our hearts towards you as we are so easily distracted and we are so easily uh, maneuvered out of our place? Father, would you help us to see you in this moment and would you help us to see you through your scriptures? Father, I don't ask for clever stories. I don't ask that, that, that any of us would be glorified. Father, we ask you right now in this very moment that you, through your scriptures, would reveal yourself to us. God, we come to you and ask you because we want to know you. And you say that we can. So here we are in a group all together asking you, our God, would you reveal yourself to us? Father, would you help us to encounter you through your word? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, look at this. This is verse 58, where we ended last week. They come to Rebecca, and they said, Rebecca, will you go with this man? Do you remember why they said, Rebecca, will you go with this man? Just shake your head. You don't have to try to answer. That's a long answer. That's because the people in, in Rebecca's house, that's her brother Laban, and then the other people in the house, they were trying their very best to keep Rebecca there. Do you remember that? They wanted Rebecca to stay for the next 10 days. They said, at least give us 10 days with Rebecca. Do you remember that? Yeah, so we had our first week, we had the servant who was charged, the servant was charged to go and find a bride for the lamb, right? That's us, we're the servants, we're charged. In the second week, what did we have? The servant prepared all those camels, remember that? There wasn't one camel, there wasn't two camels, he had 10 camels, he had the disposal of all of Abraham's goods, this is the servant, he had the disposal of all of Abraham's goods, and so he loaded up those camels and he brought them going to find a bride for Abraham's son Isaac, and that's the same as us, we ought to be prepared, right? We're charged, we ought to be prepared. Last week was the proposal, we have to actually ask at some point, don't we? At some point, we actually have to say to the person we're sharing Jesus with, would you go with Jesus? Will you follow him? Will you believe in him? Will you put your trust in him? There's a difference in knowing who he is and following him as your savior. And that's what we talked about last week, actually making that proposal. Will you follow him? Will you go after the son? And she said, yes, she would. And the family said, let us keep her for 10 days. You're with me now, right? We're all caught up. The family said, let us keep her for 10 days. Now, you know Laban from a little later in the Bible. This same guy happens with Jacob. If you know the story, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and there's this guy named Jacob, and he wants a bride. He wants, his, he wants the, the, the daughter of Laban. Her name's Rachel. And remember, Laban tricked him so that he would work even longer. And then later on, when he had two wives, and then he had four wives with all those, uh, the, the two concubines and the, and the two wives, he has these four women, and they're populating and starting off the 12 tribes of Israel. You remember that Laban tricked Jacob so that he would stay longer and stay longer and starts making deals about cows and sheep and how they're going to divide them. And all Laban was doing was trying to keep Jacob there. I'm talking about later in the scriptures. So what I'm saying to you is this. Last week we ended with Laban saying, let's just let her stay for 10 days. You think it, he would have let it be just 10 days? No. So here's what happened. They said, the, the servant said, we've got to do this now. We have to go now. And they said, we'll ask her. And she said, the, the, Rebecca said, I'll go with him. 
And so what happens when she said, I'll go with him, picking up in verse 59. So they went away, Rebekah, her sister, her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate you. And in verse 61, Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. If it wasn't for that servant right then and there saying, it's time to go, we have to go, Rebecca would have stayed for 10 days. What if the servant had said, yeah, you can have 10 days? What if the servant had said after the 10 days when they tried to get a, a little more like Laban does later? What if the servant had kept letting them prolong and letting them prolong? What I'm saying to you is the only reason that she was led away from her family was because the servant was willing to take her. And I want you to hear this about discipleship. The first thing you need to know about discipleship is this. We have the responsibility to lead them away from the world. If you're going to tell them about Jesus, you have to be the one to help lead them away from the world. There was a young man. He was a man. He was a grown man, but he was young. And I knew him well. And he called me at 6.45 in the morning one morning. It was like before 7 a.m. It's pretty odd. I get a lot of phone calls, but I certainly don't get a lot of 6.45 a.m. phone calls. So I saw his name and I thought, uh-oh, I don't know what's going on here. And so I answered my phone and he's trying to make small talk like nothing's going on. And I'm like, you're calling me at 6.45 in the morning. What's going on here? And so finally it comes out. He starts to weep. This was on a, a Saturday morning, by the way. He started to weep. This is a true story. He said to me on the phone, I said, what, what is going on? He said, you know, you know I've been trying to get my life right with Jesus. I said, I know. I've, I've been with you. I've been watching you. I've, I've, been, I've been right there. He said, you know, I, I, I went forward in church. I gave my life to the Lord. I got baptized. I started going to Sunday school. I've been going to Wednesday nights. You know. I said, I know. What's going on? He said, I messed up. I said, okay. He said, last night I went out with some buddies and we went to the bar and I met a girl at the bar, and I took her home. And he lost it. Hey, man, he's blubbering. He is crying. I told him, I said, I'm really glad to hear you crying. He said, what? I said, I'm, I'm glad to hear you crying. He said, I don't know what to do. He said, I don't know if you're paying attention. He said, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to do all the right stuff, and I'm still messing up. I said, okay, wait. I said, let me help you here. You ready what I told him? This is what I told him. I said, let me help you. I said, when you went forward in church and you gave your heart to the Lord in front of all those people, how did that feel? He said, that felt great. He said, I, I was on cloud nine. I said, okay, and when you started going to Sunday school, how did you feel? He said, I finally felt like I was getting somewhere. I said, so when you went forward in church, you gave your heart to the Lord, you got baptized, you were on cloud nine, you went to Sunday school, you were feeling good. I said, last night you took a girl home. How do you feel right now? He didn't say anything. I said, which one do you think you ought to quit? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, think about that. He was all upset because he took a girl home. He's feeling all convicted, which he should. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's what happens when we sin. He was feeling convicted. But in his mind, he was saying, well, maybe I should just quit church. Maybe I should just quit this God thing. Maybe I should quit that relationship. And he, somebody needed to point out to him, no, don't quit the God thing. Quit the bar thing. Quit the one that, you, that made you feel like this. Look at how you just felt. Stop that one. Listen, friends, if we're going to truly disciple somebody, somebody has, we have to tell them, get away from the world. 
as Rebecca had to do, they got to get on the camels. Where did those camels come from? Did you notice it wasn't her camels? Rebecca didn't get on her own camels, did she? Read it with me. I'm in verse 61, right? Yeah, verse 61. Then Rebecca and her maids arose and they rode on the camels. That's the camels that the guy loaded up. He took some treasures and gave them to Laban and her brother and her father. He gave them all these treasures. And now there's some room left on the camels. And so Rebecca gets up on the camel that the servant had brought. And now the servant leads her away from that family that was going to keep her there. Now, I'm going to say this is going to sound really awful, but it is true. That family that was not a godly family, they didn't worship the same God that Abraham worshipped. They're still in Ur of the Chaldeans. And the servant had to lead her away from that. The first thing we have to do is lead them away from the world. But if you're going to lead somebody away from the world, you have to take that further. And I'm going to show you. Look what happens next. I'm in verse 62. Now Isaac came from the way of Berla Haroi, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and she saw Isaac. She dismounted from her camel, for she said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master. So she took a veil and covered her face. The servant didn't just lead her away from her family. He didn't just lead, we don't just lead people away from the world. This isn't a, this isn't a game of, of, of rules, a set of rules of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. I think sometimes Christianity gets pictured like that. Have you ever seen Christianity pictured like that? Where it's, don't do, if you don't do this and don't do this and don't do this, well, friends, I'm going to say something really bold. Are you ready? Convince the alcoholic to stop drinking alcohol. And you know what you have? A lost sober person. Convince somebody to stop lying. Lying's bad. We shouldn't lie, right? Convince somebody to stop lying. You know what you have? A lost, honest person. Friends, we want to lead them away from the world and we want to lead them to the son. The servant took Rebecca to Isaac. He took her to the son and introduced her. She wouldn't have known who Isaac was. Even if she had somehow managed to break away from her family, would she have made it to Isaac? Would she have rode up to him? Would she have said when she saw the man dismounting as whatever he was on and, and walking up in the field to meet her, would she have ever went up to that guy? No. She needed the servant to lead her away from her family, away from the world, and to the son. Otherwise, she'd have never known where the son was. She'd have never known who the son was. Somebody has to lead them away from the world and then on to the sun. There was a young man that, it was my daughter's boyfriend, and uh, he just loved music. He loved the guitar. And I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord. I got to lead him to Jesus. And even later, I got to baptize him. And how wonderful was that? We used to have this baptistry that we had to set up in the middle. Like we had to put it together. We didn't have a baptistry in the, in the building. So we would have to put it together, right? It was like off to the side in the sanctuary. We would put this tub together. And then we don't. It was fine getting in, but getting out was awkward in front of everybody because you're dripping water everywhere. And it's just as weird. We should have just went to a creek or something. But anyways, so uh, I got to baptize this guy. And he just absolutely loved loved hard rock music. Now listen, I'm not up here to dog on types of music or whatever, but, but will you just hear one small, very small point? What you put in, what you put in your mind, what you put in your heart. That Jesus said, don't you remember when Jesus said, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth. And why is it what comes out of his mouth? Because what's down in, in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. And this guy just loved hard rock music. He just loved metal, like heavy metal music and hard rock music. 
And so I had him in the car with me. I, I brought him with me on a few trips, and, I, and it was a long car trip. We were going to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and, and so he's in the car with me. And so I, just, I planned this whole deal. I had some Christian rock music with me. And I said, hey, reach up there on the visor. This was when we said CDs before, like MP3s. Where I know some of you kids are going to be like, what is he talking about? We had these discs. And so we, I said, hey, take the CD, grab that CD up there and put it in. And so he puts it in. It was a Christian hard rock band called Pillar, and, and we're jam. I'm telling you, like, we're on the way, and I'm an idiot in the car. If I hear a song I like, I'm drumming the wheel and we're playing air guitar and singing loud and we're having this grand old time and we got back from that trip and you know what he said to me he said hey can I borrow that cd sure I think he burned it but whatever so I said yeah sure here take it and I said here's a few more and I gave him some disciple and some pillar and some other I gave him these Christian rock cds and he came to me later maybe a few weeks later I honestly I'd forgot about giving him the cds he came to me later and he said Justin I've been listening to Christian music I've been listening to Christian rock music. And he said, it is amazing. My whole day feels different. He said, I I don't feel as angry. I don't feel as anxious. My my whole day feels different when I've been listening to to something that's proclaiming God. And I said, well, that's that's how it works. Friends, listen, we don't just want to tell somebody the rules of don't. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's bad. That's bad. That movie's bad. That music is bad. Friends, if you just tell them everything that that they shouldn't be doing, you've missed the whole point. We want to not only tell them, lead them away from the world, but we also want to lead them to Jesus. Jesus is the one who has the answer. That's the only way it will ever work. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians, I'm pretty sure it's chapter 9. Paul said it this way. Paul said, to the Jew, I became as a Jew. Remember that? Paul said, to the weak, I became as the weak. He said, to the Jew, I became as the Jew. To those under the law, I became as those under the law. To those without law, I became as though I was without law. He put a little parentheses there and said, though I was still under the law of Christ. He said, to the weak, I became as weak. And you know what he said? He said, I have become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. Friends, discipleship doesn't happen when we have a, a class and pass out a little workbook with 90 pages in it and everybody's supposed to go home and read a few pages for the week and if you've been a part of that I'm not dogging on you please don't don't misunderstand that but what I'm trying to tell you is that true discipleship happens when we lead somebody away from the world and we lead them to Jesus and there's one more final point I have for you read the last part of this I love this This is my favorite part of the verse right of the set of verses right here he said it is my master in verse 65 and in verse 66 the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done and then Isaac brought her into his mother's, Sarah's tent. And he took Rebecca, she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted at his mother's death, after his mother's death. He not only leads her to the son, but then she marries the son. And he absolutely loves her. I just love that line that the, that the Lord included, that he loved her. This was not just an arranged, you know, we saw the arrangement, but this was not just an arranged marriage. This son, Isaac, absolutely loved her, and they had a wonderful, deep relationship. And that's exactly what God wants with us. And so if we're truly going to be the servants that lead others to Jesus, friends, I need you to hear this. Is everybody ready? Get your, get your steel toes on. You ready? We don't need people to be little mini-me's. And I don't mean me, I mean little mini-you's. The problem in discipleship in the past has been we want people to believe the way we believe, to agree with what we agree with, to think what we think, to act like we act. The way we dress at church is the way they should dress at church. The way that we sing songs at church is the way they should sing songs at church. 
I'll give you an example. Last year, we got to go to Honduras. My wife and I went to Honduras on a mission trip. It was a wonderful mission trip, but they were giving us a little, like a, um, a little, you know, what to expect type of meeting. And so there were people who had been in Honduras before, and then there were us new people like Sarah and I, and we're sitting in this room, and they said, now you all need to know. By the way, in case you don't know, Honduras, we're talking third world country. We witnessed as children would wake up in the morning, there would be like a, imagine a, a brick wall, like an eight by eight brick wall with a tarp that would come from the top of that wall down to the ground, and it'd be staked. And you'd see in the morning, kids would wake up and push the tarp back and come out from under the tarp. That's where they, that was their home. Okay, that, that's, that's where we were staying. We, we were staying in a, in a place called Tella, and that's what, that's what we witnessed. Every morning we would wake up, and that's what we'd see. They told me I was going to preach at a church there. When I got to the church, it was a gravel plot. There was one wall that was there and, and then a tin roof on post, and that's, that was the church. Everybody would bring their own plastic chairs. They didn't have seating, so everybody, you know those like white plastic, real flimsy outdoor chairs? Everybody would carry chairs with them, and they would walk to the church and set their little white and green chairs up, and that's the chairs that everybody would sit in. And so they're warning us of this. We're in the meeting before we went to Honduras. We're in the meeting, and they told us, they said, listen, the Hondurans love their music loud. They said they will spend all of their church budget on the biggest possible speakers, and they will put them in the most random places. They will mount them on top of their van, and here's this like rickety van that's probably worth $400, and there's like a $1,200 speaker sitting on top of it, and some guy would roll up, and they would plug the speaker in on top of the van as we were having service. And they tell us, they said, listen, you're going to see churches that don't have bathrooms. You're going to see churches that don't have a building. They're just meeting out in a field, but they will spend every bit of money they can on these big speakers. And some guy sticks his hand up and he goes, well, why don't we teach them how to do church better than that? Why don't we teach them how to budget their money? Wouldn't that be smart if we taught them how to budget their money? And this guy, his name was Eddie. I love Eddie. And Eddie said in front of that whole group, he said, uh, we're not there to teach them how to do church like us. We're just there to teach them about Jesus. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? The servant didn't bring Rebecca home and then he sat there with Rebecca and made Rebecca a little mini servant so that she could do all the things that he'd been doing. No, the servant brought Rebecca to the son and then he let Rebecca and the son have a deep relationship on their own. That's what we want to do in discipleship. Discipleship is not a matter of trying to get people to do what you do. Discipleship is when we lead them to Jesus and let them develop a, a deep relationship with him. Because if you think about it, Christ Jesus loved them. He loves you, but he also loves them so much that he laid down his life and he died for them. You have not loved them as much as he loves them. You might think you do. I know it's hard to think about. You think you love your children more than anybody. Believe this. Jesus loves your children more than you do. Jesus loves your spouse more than you do. He loves them so much that he laid down his life for them. The son of God laid down his life. And even after laying down his life, nobody took it from him, but he laid it down himself and he picked it up again and he rose from the grave. And he loves them so much that even though the people you know, your sons, your daughters, your friends, your cousins, whoever it is, Though they are sinners, and I mean wretched sinners. Don't you know we're wretched sinners? And though they're wretched sinners, Jesus died for them, and he rose for them. And while they're still sinners, he invites them to come unto him. And that's what he still stands here today doing, inviting us to come unto him and to be saved. That is what Jesus wants, is for us to have a relationship with him. 
So if we're going to evangelize, we have to end that evangelism with discipleship. We want to lead them away from the world. We want to lead them to Jesus. And we want to lead them into their own relationship with Jesus, not a a mimicked relationship like what we have. So I ask you this question as we close right now. Where's your relationship with Jesus? Do you know him intimately? I'm not asking you, have you been to church? I'm not asking you, do you do the worship thing? I'm not asking you if you sing the right songs or if you've read the right Bible verses. I'm asking you, do you know the Son of God who died for you and rose for you and offers you new life? If you don't, this is your chance to make it right. Let's do that right now. How about everybody stand up and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn to you in Jesus' name and we first of all just want to say thank you. Your name is matchless. Your name is awesome. Your name is wonderful. You are good and you are so good to us. And Father, when we really start to think about how good you are to us, it almost drives me to, well, it does drive me to my knees. Lord, your love really is wave after wave after wave. And when we, when we stop to think, we cannot comprehend how much you really love us. And Father, so we just take a moment right now in whatever puny way we can, we just say thank you. You are God and creator and the fact that you love us beyond measure is without our comprehension. We love you, Lord, because you've loved us first. And Father, I pray that for those of us who know you as our Savior, Father, I pray that we would be so much more diligent to go out into the world and to share your gospel. Father, help us to make disciples that make disciples. Would you lead us to do that? We are so frail and we're so weak. Father, we just mix it up all the time. Would you help us to remember that you are our focus and we're after you and you only. And Lord, one more request. If there's somebody watching right now online or somebody in this building who does not know you as their Savior, Father, would you help them to make that right Would you draw them right now? Would you lead them right now unto yourself through your son Jesus? Father, we can do no more than ask that. I can't keep an ear. How much more could I reach someone's heart? Would you work in this place and grab a hold of our hearts and draw us unto you? We ask this in Jesus, your son's name. Amen.